What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us as we wrap up the week with this Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos. And you guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You get links to my shows, different threads that I post out and other random thoughts. So go ahead, show some support over on Twitter. And also, while I've got you, if you could leave a five-star review on the podcast, that would be much appreciated. Even if it's not a five-star review, a positive review would go a long way in helping us move up search results. So whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google, however it is you consume our show, leaving a positive review would really go a long way in helping us to expand. With that being said, let's move into the actual meat of our show. We're going to look back at some of yesterday's big performances. We're going to look ahead to today at a couple of pitching matchups that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. And then we'll go through the waiver wire. We'll talk about some more added and dropped players today and my opinion on them. So we'll start with Aaron Nola. I think he was one of the top performers from yesterday, certainly the top performing pitcher in my opinion. He went eight and a third. Uh, I mean, hard to say it's my opinion. It's pretty objective here that he was the best pitcher yesterday. Eight and a third. He struck out 10. He did give up one earned run and struck out five. I actually benched him in one of the leagues where I have him because my ERA was already very good. It was already sitting about 2.6, 2.7. So I sat down Aaron Nola and I feel like an idiot for it, but it happens. Uh, I'd rather sit him and have him do well than start him and have him uh, not do well. So he went eight and a third here, and he has really, really turned his season around. He had a couple of rough outings to start the year off, and he still had a couple of mixed-in rough ones here, but the last one that was rough was against the Dodgers, so he's given a little bit of forgiveness there. Overall, not really too worried about Nola. He's gotten that ERA further down than he did last year, and he's going to be pretty much the same guy that we know him to always be, a high strikeout guy who will give up some home runs and he will give up some runs throughout the season, but he will overall be a very solid pitcher. And a large part of that is due to his massive strikeouts. And we saw yesterday where he strike out 10. So great stuff out of him there. Let's move on to Kyle Farmer, someone who I really liked last year. And a lot of it came down last year to his positional eligibility. He could play pretty much anywhere on the field. This year, he's down to just third base and short eligibility. He was even eligible at catcher last year which really made him more valuable than his 369th ranking would indicate. But yesterday, he went four for four. He had three runs. He had a couple of long balls, and he drove in five. I'm not really going to be too interested in him right now because, A, he plays for a fairly poor lineup. They did put up 20 runs yesterday. I wouldn't expect that to happen ever again with this lineup because they're really not that deep. Uh, tw- 20 runs is really ridiculous for any team, but for that team, it's, it's really funny. Uh, last year I was a lot bigger on him, like I said, because of the multiple position eligibility. So he's going to be all right this season, but he plays at a fairly crowded shortstop position. He's also eligible at third, but I don't see him being uh, a massive asset going forward. He's 5% rostered on Yahoo, and I think that feels about right. He doesn't need to be rostered outside of very deep leagues. Uh, If he did have that catcher eligibility still, then he would be rostered in quite a few more leagues, but... What are you going to do, guys? Uh, we've seen that a lot these last couple of years. Uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa was another one last year. I was huge on Kiner-Falefa because he's a shortstop, third baseman that you can stick in the catcher slot. If those players do exist, uh, they are always going to be more valuable. So Eric Haas last year was a huge example of that. And Dalton Varsho to this point this season has been another example of that. So just a side note, try and find, uh, and this year it's a little bit late for that, but going forward year after year, Look for players who will have catcher eligibility who are not everyday catchers because they're going to play more than your average catcher would. Catchers tend to sit fairly regularly, at least a couple times a week. If you have a guy with catcher eligibility who you can plug in 
uh, who's actually a shortstop, really, or a third baseman or whatever, then you can have them playing pretty much every day, and it can be very valuable. I had that last year with Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and he stole 20 bases. I mean, a lot of them were in the early part of the season, so it was probably... By the end of it, he probably could have been a drop, but those kind of value plays are really important in building rosters. Let's move on here. Uh, Freddie Freeman, he went four for five. He had a single, a couple of doubles, and a home run. He scored three times and knocked in five runs. And he's been pretty much everything that the Dodgers have expected. Only st- only hit uh, four home runs to this point in the season. I'd expect that to move up, but there's nothing to be worried about if you're a fantasy manager here. That lineup is ridiculous, and they showed it again yesterday by scoring 14 runs. Let's talk about Frankie Montes. He went seven innings, struck out 11 Gave up two walks and three base hits. No earned runs for him. He had his best fantasy performance of the season based in large fact to those uh, those 11 strikeouts. Also only three hits, which was great. Now, I've said this a few times about Frankie. His fantasy value is pretty solid on Oakland, even though it's a, it's a terrible team. They're not going to win a lot of games. He still had some pretty solid value this season. He's 2-4 and four on, the win-loss, uh, on the win-loss columns. But 3.12 ERA, .97 whip, and a... 10.3 strikeout for nine. Those are all very serviceable numbers. If he does get traded throughout the season, I expect that he will. Him and Tyler Molly are two guys who I expect to be moved. And that will do wonders for both of their fantasy values. I mean, particularly Molly, because he's struggled, especially at Great American Ballpark. But Montes has been very good. He will definitely be someone who is targeted uh, in trade talks this season. I don't know why they've held on to him for as long as they have. When you look at the pieces they got rid of in the offseason... I don't really know why they bothered uh, starting the season with him. But he's maintained very strong uh, trade value. He's been a very good fantasy player. And, uh, you know, you're just enjoying the ride. Uh, if he does get traded into a tough division, it might might be hard for his value. But I, I don't think so. I am very confident going forward that he's going to be a very solid asset. The wins will go up once he's traded. You have to figure a contender will trade for him. And then that's the, kind of the one category we're worried about right now is the wins. He's only got two through his 10 games. But that will be something that will change, I think, uh, as the season goes on. Let's talk about Nasty Nestor. He did it again, guys. He keeps doing it. And I know I've talked about him being like a sell-high guy, and I still do think that. But he, second time he's gone eight innings this season, second time in the last three outings he's gone eight innings, he went eight, giving up four hits, one earned run, walking one, and striking out five. I mean, I'm still going to be telling you guys you should probably sell him while the value is there. And it's probably a great time to try and get back an elite piece. It's going to be kind of hard to trade for another pitcher because if you try and offer Nestor Cortez for, I don't know, a Walker Bueller or somebody like that, you're going to get laughed away from your trade negotiations because the value there, even though Cortez has been you know better than Bueller has to this point in the season, that name brand value isn't really there with Nestor. So, and it'll kind of be similar with position players, but it's harder for people in their heads to properly equate that value. So if you're trying to trade Cortez for an elite starting pitcher, because to this point of the season, he has been an elite starting pitcher. It can't really even be argued. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. But you're not going to be able to trade him and get back another one of the best pitchers in baseball as kind of a safety net. Because this is not going to continue at this rate. He'll be good, but he's not going to be this good. I mean, who knows exactly what's going to happen because this is such an outlier. But in category leagues this season, he's only one pitcher has outperformed him, and that's Justin Verlander. So if you're trying to trade a Cortez for a Shane McClanahan or an Alec Manoa 
or a Musgrove or, uh, you know, Corbin Burns or anything like that. Like, it's not going to happen. And I think it's a lot easier for people to see when it's pitcher for pitcher or first baseman for first baseman, what have you. It's a lot easier for people to see, no, this isn't really equal. If you're trading Nestor Cortez and you're trying to get back someone who is maybe overperformed themselves or maybe someone someone just inside that top kind of 50 or 70 value range. Because Cortez, to this point in the season, is the 12th ranked player in category leagues. He's returning first round value. That's not going to hold up. As great as he's been, that's not going to hold up. Try and acquire a position player who's maybe overachieved a little bit. So maybe you can sneak a Julio Rodriguez in a, in a redraft league. Not in a dynasty league. No one's going to be buying that. Um, but maybe you can get a Julio. Maybe you can go for, I don't know, a Thai France. You're, you're not going to be able to get a crazy high kind of name. You're not going to be able to get, you know, a Pete Alonzo or a Crone or, a, you know, a, a stupid names here like, like Jose Ramirez or Goldschmidt. And I know it's, this guy, people are going to be thinking, this guy's crazy talking about these first-round names along with Nestor Cortez. But Nestor Cortez, to this point of the season, has had first-round value. <clears throat> so a lot of people will see that, and a lot of people don't dig deep into the numbers. I've talked about this on the show. Some people will just look straight up at the ranking number. The rank number for a lot of people is gospel. It shouldn't be, but a lot of people play fantasy that way. And some people just don't have the time to dig into the deep numbers or whatever, and that's fine, and you can kind of take advantage of them a little bit there. I would be trying to trade Cortez, and like I said, you're not going to get back someone who was drafted in the first round, like a Bryce Harper or a Freeman or someone like that. Aim for someone, maybe like a Julio Rodriguez, who I think will have more sustained success, or even his teammate, Ty France. And you'll probably get a lot more a lot more bites on your trade offers because those guys are still going to be fantastic. Julio Rodriguez is the 38th-ranked player this season. Massive steal numbers. He's got huge power potential. If you can go for a guy like that, who I believe is on an upward trajectory, as opposed to Nestor, who's... Also, suppose, like, looks like he's on an upper trajectory, but I just don't buy it as much. I would make that swap in an instant. Um, let, let's go back to some more performances. I spent a lot of time on that, but I think I think it's important that while these guys are performing out of their minds, specifically Cortez, you should try and get some value out of him there. Uh, Martin Perez is another one who's just been fantastic to this point in the season, and we'll talk about him. Uh, he went seven innings. He struck out six, gave up one earned run two walks, and four hits. And he's another guy who falls into that same category. And we talked about him yesterday with Nick. On his own, Martin Perez is not going to be somebody that you can trade and expect to get back any kind of top-end talent for. And that's just the way it is. Nothing's going to change that. He's been great. He's got a 1.6 ERA. He's the ninth-ranked player over the last month and the 48th-ranked player over the course of the season. And, you know, I could pretty much copy and paste the recording that I did for Cortez and put it in here. It's pretty much the same thing. I mean, Cortez has performed a bit better. He's striking out more batters. And, of course, he plays for the New York Yankees, and he's going to get more attention than any other team in baseball, maybe except for the Dodgers, but obviously more more attention than the Rangers. So his performance is a little bit more uh, mainstream, although not still not mainstream, but a little bit more mainstream than Perez. So his value will be a little bit higher than Perez. But if you do take uh, Martin Perez, I feel like I've said his name a million times now. If you take him and you package him up with somebody, then you could probably get yourself a really solid return, a guy who's going to be a top 100 player regardless of what happens rest of season. So maybe on his own you can trade him, but I don't think you're going to have a ton of value there. If you can trade Martin Perez on his own right now and get back a top 100 type player for the rest of the season, then 
that's something you should absolutely be doing. I don't know how many people are going to be biting on it, but if you can trade him and get back even like a Brandon Marsh, I'd be pretty fine with. Or, um, I mean, Chris Taylor's been pretty hot recently, but if you can get like a Chris Taylor, there are certain players who they're very good. They're great fantasy players. And they're not really those mainstream kind of names where you can still milk a little bit of value out of managers there. Perez is one of those guys who absolutely I think you should be trying to sell high on right now because we will approach a cliff and he will fall off and then there will be no coming back. Like we talked about with Nick yesterday, the career ERA is like 4.5. He's This is not who he is. So sell him while you can, um, if, if you can. If not, then write it out, and he might be someone who eventually goes back to waiver wires. But at this point, I think you have to aggressively try and be selling him at, uh, at this point. There is a couple of more games, or a couple more players, I should say, I'm going to talk about here. And we already mentioned him, Chris Taylor. He's been on quite the hot streak these last uh, week or so, a few multi-hit games. And I did. I mentioned him. I wasn't going to mention him, but I did see him get dropped in a couple of leagues last week. Uh, a couple on ESPN, and also a couple on Yahoo he was being dropped. Anybody in that lineup, I know he bats eighth or lower down in that lineup a lot of the time, but just being in that lineup pretty much guarantees you fantasy value. There's like seven or eight Mellows that can easily eat in that lineup uh, when they're playing every day. And he's one of those guys who is going to have value. He's just a Swiss Army knife kind of guy to have on your team. Decent batting average, decent home runs and steals. Overall, good contributor, so... I just wanted to touch on him because if you had dropped him or if someone in your league had dropped Chris Taylor, it's not a lot of leagues, but there are certainly some leagues where that was the case, then he should not be on waiver wires. You should go ahead and add him. Uh, There was one ESPN points league that I'm in. It's a 10-man points league, and I saw that he was sitting on waiver wires. I went and immediately grabbed him. This was three or four days ago, and so far the returns have been fantastic. So if he is on waivers, not that there are many, uh, I would say go and add him right away. Trevor Story had another monster night last night. Uh, not, I mean, not compared to what the monster nights looked like last week, but he went two for four. He had a home run, uh, drove in a couple of runs, knocked in four, and also stole a base. What a remarkable turnaround for Trevor Story. I mean, for how he was performing at the beginning of the season, uh, I did get more than one question asking, is Trevor Story going to be a drop? Should I just trade him for literally anything just to get something back for him? Well, now he's the 17th-ranked player over the course of the season uh, in category formats, and he's up to 37 RBIs, nine home runs, six stolen bases. Uh, he's been phenomenal. And he and Nolan Arenado, I saw this on Twitter yesterday or, or maybe this morning, they're kind of destroying the whole Coors Field thing of these guys were only good at Coors Field. They were only good because they played in Colorado and they leave and they suck, that's just not a true narrative. I mean, certainly there's some players who have benefited from playing in Colorado, but Story and Arenado, fantastic guys uh, overall. It doesn't matter where they play, they're going to hit, and they've proven that, specifically Arenado over the last couple of years uh, in St. Louis, but also Trevor Story. Uh, Really, I didn't expect him to turn it around this much. He's... I didn't think he was going to be a drop, but I certainly didn't think he was going to have like top 20 value this season. I was thinking he was probably going to be in the 50, 60 range. Best case, once it all got sorted out. And maybe he will still end up in that kind of range. It's Honestly, it's transitioned from almost a sell or almost a buy low moments to it's, it's maybe a sell high at this point. I mean, 
probably no one that is going to be a realistic target to sell high for him for. But the way he's performing, like you could pretty much you could pretty much write your own ticket with him in terms of trading him for whoever you wanted right now anyway. So if, if you do have a player you have your eye on and you don't believe that Trevor Story will keep this up, I think he'll keep it up to some degree. He won't be this hot. But if there's someone you have your eye on and maybe you have a couple of shortstops or a couple of second basemen, what have you, I wouldn't be opposed to trying to sell high on him. I know it's, it's a strange tune because a couple of weeks ago he was a sell low, or sorry, a buy low. But he is someone who has been the hottest player in baseball. And if there is someone you really have your eye on and you have Trevor Story, I could. I wouldn't be so opposed to maybe trying to move on from him. Uh, right now would be the best time to do that. If you if you were going to do it, I have no problem holding on to him. I think he's going to be fine. But like I said, if there is a certain someone you had your eye on that maybe was a little bit out of your reach, or maybe you just don't like Trevor Story too much and you have him on your team, what have you. I mean, I'm sure if you have him on your team, you like him right now. But I think there is a bit of a window to uh, squeeze a little bit of extra value out of him there. And Again, I'll go back to a point that I touched on yesterday and a little bit there with Martin Perez. When I say buy low, sell high, it doesn't always mean one for one, two for one, one for two. It can literally mean anything. It doesn't have to mean this guy needs to be sold for one for one guy who's outperforming him or whatever the case may be. There are so many different ways to work a buy low, sell high situation or player that I, I can't even go over them all. But there's you can trade one for one. You can trade two guys for one guy. You could even trade three or four guys and get back one guy. And, of course, those work vice versa as well. You trade one guy, you get back four guys. You're working for more depth in your team maybe. There are so many ways that this can work. So when I say sell high, you're probably thinking, who is, who's higher than 17th ranked on the season that I'm going to be trying to get for Trevor Story? Well, if you package up a Trevor Story and maybe a Nestor Cortez or a Martin Perez, maybe you can go out and get yourself like a Trey Turner or someone who's you know, a top five or seven player. It's possible. I don't think it's likely, but every, you know, every person is different. Every league has different personalities in it. And I don't think any analyst can go out there and say, no, this trade is not going to work. This trade is going to work. Only you guys know who you're in your leagues with. There's always a little bit of value to be had or to be lost, depending on what side of a trade you're on. And there's a lot of different, like I said, there's a lot of different types of people and personalities. Some people, I'm in some leagues where people were trying to trade before the season even started. I've been in some leagues where there's not one trade made the whole season. Only you guys know your friends or your league mates and how you can properly uh, get value out of these players if you were going to be trading them. So a guy like Story, I'm not by any means saying you have to sell him, but I'm saying that his value is at a season high at this point, and I wouldn't have any problem with maybe trying to get squeeze a little bit of extra value out of him there. And I, I know some of you are thinking, this guy's crazy. I, I, I know it. But like I said, there are so many different types of buy low, sell high offers, so many types of different formats, so many types of different individuals in this world who play fantasy baseball. You can't tell me there's not some managers out there who are saying Trevor Story is going to be the best player this season. I want him on my team. I'll trade whatever to get him at this point. There are some people who are going to be thinking like that, right? And I know the people are going to be skeptical, but that's it's the case. That's just the case. There are so many different personalities in this world and in these leagues. You can never really predict in advance what kind of reception you're going to get to a trade offer. Let's move on now to someone who I will fully admit I missed on heading into the season, uh, Tariq Skubal. My God, he's been fantastic. Uh, he would give up three earned runs yesterday over seven innings, five hits. He struck out five. He's pitched to a 2.44 ERA on the season. 
low whip at 1.03, and he's striking out a good amount of batters. Uh, he's someone, I mean, going into the season, I said, don't draft Tariq Skubal. I think there's not going to be much value there. There was a time, uh, maybe not quite 10 years ago, uh, 8, 10 years ago, where if you had Tigers pitching, you were pretty much set between Verlander and Scherzer and Rick Porcello there for a little while. Uh, I mean, he wasn't as great in Detroit as he would turn out to be in Boston there for a little while. But uh, Annabelle Sanchez, they had legitimately, Doug Fister, they had legitimately like five solid starting pitchers for a good couple of years there. And there was a time when I was saying, and this is, this is a lot of years ago now, but every Detroit pitcher is a viable uh, fantasy player. Every Detroit starter needs to be rostered. Very few teams in the majors are like that, but that's how they were uh, when they were really in those contending years there. Now I'm kind of at the point where I was heading into the season where I'm just staying away from every Detroit Tigers pitcher. Maybe you can get a Gregory Soto in there to get you some saves. That's not going to hurt you so much. But in terms of their starters, I've just, the last five or six years maybe, well, since Verlander left, I guess, what is that, six years ago, five years ago, I've just kind of stayed away from Tigers in general because they haven't been very good. I don't have a lot of faith there. I mean, I see them bringing in Eduardo Rodriguez, and I was like, ah, I've never been a big Eduardo Rodriguez guy. He's had a couple of all right fantasy seasons going back a couple of years now, but he downgraded his location, so I wasn't really too interested in him. The Tigers as a whole are a promising team, but more so with Riley Green and uh, Spencer Torkelson, not so much as far as I see it with their pitching. So I, I mostly stayed away from them in all formats this season, and I'll I'll be I'll admit it I was wrong about Tariq Skubal. He's been he's been fantastic. No no other way to say it, especially pitching for this team. Uh, if you take away the two starts that were a little bit little bit subpar, specifically the Minnesota one and uh, his opening day start, well not opening day his opening day start against uh, the White Sox. You take those away, uh, he'd be one of the best pitchers to this point in baseball. So uh, I'm just, I just wanted to own that one <laughs> that I missed on Scoobal. He's been fantastic. There were a couple of you guys going into the season who asked a couple of questions about him and early on, and I got to just own it. I was wrong about Scoobal. Uh, he's someone who's, I don't know how sustainable it is, especially playing on Detroit. You have to wonder how many win opportunities he's going to get, but to this point, he's been fantastic, and I just wanted to take the uh, the opportunity there to own my mistake because uh, it happens when you're predicting stuff. There's some stuff I got right and some stuff I got wrong, and at one point, I'll do a show where I go over all of my preseason and early season predictions. We'll come at you guys with receipts, and we'll look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I, I think we'll probably do that mid-season, but maybe we'll do it at the end of the season and see uh, how the predictions all turned out and what was my hit-and-miss kind of ratio there. Let's talk about a couple of interesting starting pitching matchups that are going to be happening today. The first one that really caught my eye when I was looking over it this morning, and last night actually, uh, Jamison Tyone and Jeffrey Springs, Tampa and New York. So talked about Springs as being a really strong ad. His numbers have been, have been really good to this point of the season. Now he is due to regress a little bit because he's, he's been better than what we can really expect. Pitching to a 1.32 ERA, no one does that. Uh, 215 BABIP, batting average on balls in play, is not going to continue. He's leaving 87.4% of batters on base. That is also not going to continue. Ground ball rate is also very high at 
it probably will go down. I mean, it sounds like I'm I'm poo-pooing the guy, but I, I really like him. Honestly, I really like him going forward. Tonight is going to be tough against the Yankees, so it might not be the greatest situation to stream him in if you're adding him there. But overall, I think he's going to be a strong add going forward. Uh, Jameson Tyone, on the other side, his roster percentage, it took a while for it to catch up to the performances, but now I believe he's up into the 60s. I think he's mid-60s. Let me just check that real quick. He is 62% rostered, and that did take quite a while to catch up. Uh, but, you know, that whole Yankees rotation, I know I talked about earlier about how there's very rarely a team where you can roster all their starters. The Yankees right now are a team where you can roster all their starters. Jamison Tyone has been really, really solid to this point on the season. Uh, Nestor Cortez and Garrett Cole, we don't need to discuss because we know we know those guys. Cortez has been great. Cole, not so great, but still, still very good. Montgomery, Jordan Montgomery has been very solid. And Luis Severino has also been very solid. All five of those Yankee pitchers are in must-roster territory. Tyone uh, maybe is the one that people have the most hesitation about. But to this point, he's earned his he's earned his right to be on fantasy rosters. Several very good performances against the White Sox, against the Blue Jays. He's done well against Cleveland. He's done well against the Blue Jays a couple of times, actually. Tonight he gets the raise. I have no problem trusting him out there uh, on the road in Tampa. Yes, they can get hot Tampa, and their lineup it, it's pretty good, but overall they're more of a middle-of-the-pack kind of lineup here. 13th in runs, 12th in hits, 13th in batting average, 20th in on-base percentage. They're more of a middle-of-the-pack kind of lineup. Uh, I know they're a very good team, but the lineup is, is okay. It's not great. So I'm, I'm going to be fine deploying both of these guys tonight. A little more cautious about Springs because obviously the Yankees have been on a complete tear. But overall, I feel pretty good about starting both of these guys. Uh, one or two other games I wanted to talk about here. So the Royals and the Twins. Brad Keller and Bailey Ober. Brad Keller has been someone who, to this point of the season, has definitely overperformed and kind of seen a bit of a correction these last three starts with five, three, and four earned runs respectively. Pretty low strikeout numbers. Not that he ever had high strikeout numbers, but we've seen pretty low uh, three, three, and four here. I'm starting to think maybe he's not going to be that valuable headed forward. I think he's not a bad back end of the rotation guy, but overall, uh, I think there's some probably a lot of leagues where there's a better option, and a lot of it comes down to his strikeouts. There was a point where I was really big on him, and he was really performing. Every week, he's doing great, and he's kind of had a couple of rough starts, especially against Texas. Not a great team. You'd, you'd like to see a better performance there. He did all right against Chicago and not too bad against Minnesota. He gets them for a second consecutive time tonight, and that's usually a recipe for me to stay away. I don't like deploying a pitcher when he's facing the same team for a second consecutive time. It can work both ways. The pitcher can pick up on little things that the batters are not doing well. But I think a lot of the time it favors the batter. The more pitches you see, um, the more information you have about the guy. And it typically leads to a more advantageous situation for the batter. So Brad Keller, I like him, and I think he should still be on a lot of rosters here, specifically 12 and 4 team, uh, team leagues and deeper. But I understand sitting him down tonight because Minnesota has had a, actually a very good team this year. And it's not something I really expected going in. Again, their offense isn't like top tier, but... They've been pretty good. So I, I would understand sitting Brad Keller tonight as we head into the weekend. Something I preach here very regularly on this show, know your categories heading into the weekend. Know your ERA, what it's looking like. Know how many home runs you got. Know how many steals you need. 
different things like that you need to be aware of when setting your lineups and making your ads. So if you're in a great position ERA-wise, I don't know that I'd risk it with Brad Keller here. If you need a win and ERA is kind of shot to hell already, then you have not much really to lose. Uh, depending, of course, on who you have going Saturday and Sunday, I would probably start Keller uh, if you're just not looking at ERA here, if you're looking for a win. Strikeouts, he's not going to really help you in. So I would, it really honestly is a situational thing uh, for me with Brad Keller. Bailey Ober is another one. He's been better than anticipated, but the numbers show he's kind of been lucky to this point. So a 2.55 ERA compared to his 4.86 expected ERA. The expected batting average is also 281, and he's fallen off uh, by close to 6%, 5.5% actually, in terms of his strikeouts for this season. I think he's going to be a really good option going forward. The next several years, I think he'll be a very good pitcher. I don't know that he's quite there yet, and a lot of the numbers would indicate I mean, if you just look on the surface, the ERA 2.55, 1.14 whip, he's only walked six batters in 24 innings. So, yeah, there's certain things that are certainly positive, but I don't know that I'm going to really trust him here. It's a good matchup. Uh, Kansas City is not a great team, not a great offense, but I think overall, uh, similarly to Keller, situationally, I would maybe do it. But on the whole, I'm going to suggest that Bailey Ober uh, sits it down tonight. I don't think that we need to be risking it starting him here. Again, not a great team, so there's a chance for a good streaming opportunity. But the numbers overall lead me towards staying away from him. Uh, that's pretty much it for the interesting pitching matchups. There's a couple of other decent ones, but why don't we go on and talk about some of the more added and dropped players today. So... The number one most added player to this point has been Jeffrey Springs. We've talked about him already. Good option going forward. I don't know that tonight would be my favorite place to be using him, but I think he's a good option uh, going forward here. Only 26% rostered, starting pitcher and relief pitcher eligible. Not that that matters so much, but it always helps a little bit. I would be pretty okay uh, using him here tonight. Going forward, I'm a lot more optimistic than I am for tonight's matchup, but I think he should still be rostered. Uh, Jock Peterson's been added quite a bit, and he's up to 57%, and we've talked about him. He's going to be a very streaky guy. Right now, he's on a hot streak, so I'm totally in favor of adding. He's going into Cincinnati, Great American Ballpark, very hitter-friendly park, so he's a solid add for the next week, or for the next uh, weekend, I should say. And maybe even further, it's hard to really predict exactly with him. He's very streaky, and when he gets cold again, you drop him. But while he's hot like this, he's someone who needs to be on rosters. Uh, let's talk about John Gray for a second. I had big hopes for him leaving Colorado. And, I mean, we haven't seen enough to really know one way or the other what he's going to look like. He's been okay as a Ranger. He's coming off a good, strong uh, six-inning performance against Houston. On a day where there's not really a ton of great uh, streaming options, his name stands out to me a little bit because he's facing the Athletics. And I'm going to beat this horse until it's seriously dead. Know your categories. Know your needs. Don't just stream someone for the sake of streaming them or because you have an ad left for the week. If you need a streamer, he's a decent option. But I wouldn't just be streaming him for the sake of streaming him. Cole Irvin is another guy who's gotten a little bit lucky to this point. He'll be going up against John Gray. His 3.21 ERA is a little bit deceiving because he's got a 5.43 expected ERA. The expected batting average is two point, or sorry, uh, 288. Ugh, fumbling over my words a little bit there. And his K rate is only 15.6. Very low. Not someone who's going to generate a lot of strikeouts for you. Uh, 
and I think honestly that 3.21 ERA is pretty deceiving to this point. So I'd be careful about a stream here, despite that being a pretty good matchup. A couple more pitchers who have been added quite a bit, and we'll talk about Austin Gomber. So he is getting the Nationals tonight. Last time he faced them, he went six and two thirds, got the victory while striking out six. I think he scares me a little bit. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he scares me a little bit. The expected batting average is close to 300, 294. Expected slugging of 500. But like I said, uh, it's a thin streaming night, and I'm okay with using him because he's facing the Nationals. He's away from Coors Field. They're going to be in Washington. So I, I'm pretty okay. Uh, like I've said, situationally, I think he's fine to stream tonight. Ryan Pepio. I think it's Pepio. I actually didn't watch his starts uh, that he's had so far. So I, it's either Pepio or Pepiot. It's probably Pepio, but the pitcher for the Dodgers, anyway. He struggled with control to this point in the majors, but it's not really something that he had to deal with in the minor leagues a lot. So I, I'm pretty okay to stream him here. Uh, he's a big strikeout contributor. I think he'll be all right at Arizona, big pitcher-friendly ballpark. If he goes five, there's a decent chance he's getting the win because of that Dodgers offense. And again, situationally, I would be all right streaming Pepio. Guys, that's going to do it for us. Thank you to all the old listeners and new who have found us recently. Really appreciate all of you. I hope you guys are following on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You never miss any shows, any threads, any thoughts. And you also show a little bit of support by hitting the follow button there. We're on the march to 1,000. We're just shy of 800 followers. Hoping to get to 1,000 at some point uh, sooner rather than later. So hopefully you guys are following over there. And hopefully you guys are leaving a five-star review on the show. That would be fantastic if you can. Even if it's not a five-star, a four-star, or any positive review would be really great. We're trying to move up in our search rankings, search results here. And that's a great, easy way for you guys to help out at home just by hitting the five-star button, whether it be Google, Spotify, Apple, however it is you consume our show, uh, leaving a positive review would go a long way into helping us grow and be seen more. So go ahead before you click pause, before you get out of the app, hit the five-star button, show us some support. We will see you back here on Monday. We'll look at the usual stuff to start pitchers recapping the weekend and a look ahead and also take a look on sunday my article will come out again for sportsethos.com that'll be a weekly thing if you guys didn't see it last week go check it out should be uh, in my twitter feed there every sunday for the rest of the regular season and probably going into the playoffs as well there will be a weekly recap so go ahead and check it out you'll see it if you follow my twitter you'll get a link to it there but also uh, go check out sportsethos.com go check out some of the premium packages we got there we got different stuff for wagering different stuff for nba the NBA season is obviously winding down now, but we got a bunch of stuff over there on the premium side to help you get ready for next year's drafts. It's never really the off season. It's just pre-draft season. So go ahead, check out sportsethos.com. We got a ton of premium stuff there. Very affordable wage pass stuff. I think it's $15 a month, something like that. You're looking at like 50 cents a day. And those guys win quite a bit with their gambling stuff over there. So really worth going and giving them a follow. I'm not a massive gambler. I gamble every now and then on some sports stuff, some same game parlays for fun. But I tend to tail the sports ethos wagering guys because they know what they're talking about. So go ahead, hit them up there. Sports ethos wagering. I think the Twitter handle is at ethos wagering. And they won't steer you wrong. They win quite a bit more than they lose, and they're always transparent about it. So go ahead, hit them up there. Guys. That'll do it. We will see you back here on Monday. I hope everybody has a great weekend, and I wish you all the success in the world. Cheers.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.